Hi there, everyone, and welcome back to our podcast, Connecting the Dots. Uh, the Stiefel Think Tank group uses this forum for a deeper exploration of some of our analysis. We do bespoke, data-driven, uh, strategic advisory work for clients of the firm, and we're really focused on understanding uh, and unpacking change and what it may mean. And then we put some of our general findings out publicly. And in this episode, we want to dig into some of the work we've been doing on art markets, what's happening in those markets, what might be changing, and what that might mean more broadly. Today, we're going to discuss specifically, uh, number one, major auction volumes, which had a strong late 21 and 22. That momentum had turned negative for a bunch of 23 and sort of look at that. Um, second, price trends within uh, between categories, fine art categories. And third, that relationship between art markets and financial markets, how that's worked and what that might mean. We're going to try to do three data points in about 10 minutes. Uh, that's the plan. As always, I burn about one here on the intro, but that's part of the fun. Um, we have absolutely the perfect guest to dig into art markets and the tie to finance and and all of it. We, we've got Mike Goss. I've been lucky to know Mike uh, for a long time now. Mike's had an unbelievable and distinguished career. He was CFO and COO of Bain Capital. He was CFO of Sotheby's. He was CFO of Condé Nast. And now He's a partner at Art Intelligence Global. It's a really interesting firm, some of the art world's uh, greatest minds uh, doing advisory work in the art space. But beyond finance and art, Mike's been very involved in the tennis world. He's actually the chairman emeritus of the International Tennis Hall of Fame. Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, before we get into art, it seems like there's a ton of excitement around U.S. tennis. Is, is that right from your lens? Well, um, first of all, thanks for having having me on your show. Um, yeah, I think uh, excitement um, around U.S. tennis is justifiable. Uh, the men's field um, is deeper than it's been in a long time with five players in the top 25. Uh, on the women's side, less deep, only three in the top 25. But that includes Coco Goff at number three and Jesse Pagula at number five. So um, they're actually uh, uh, looking at a pretty bright future as well. A lot of a lot of fun TV tennis uh, going on and, and excitement for sure. With a, I'm a little less knowledgeable, but uh, excitement around those players for sure. Um, okay, let's get into those three points. It for first, you know, it's hard to boil art down to raw numbers. Art markets are a little different. They're captivating. It's global, it's beautiful, there's the history and the provenance of paintings or or a piece of art, but it is a semi-liquid, semi-portable wealth store or investment. Uh, and I know you and I have both uh, spent a lot of years looking at these auction trends in great detail and what they mean. We're just getting a sense of final 23, but in our first data point, 21 and 22 saw a really strong uh, response coming out of the COVID period. 23 was worse. It got a little better late in the year. Some of that's some comparisons. I know you know a lot about that. Um, but when less volume happens, it's less volume. So the seller mindset's important. Is it seller mindset? Is it buyers and sellers meeting? Where are you on, on how folks are thinking about participating in the market? And what does it mean about 2024? Well, you're absolutely right that 23 was down um, in, in auction sales, auction volume versus what were really strong 21 and 22. Um, in, the, in the 22 period, 
there were a lot of big single owner sales like Paul Allen, which was 1.5 billion alone, uh, but a number of others uh, performed very strongly in 22. So we were up against a, a strong uh, comp for sure. But you know, keep in mind uh, the art market is somewhat unique in that you have to understand both buyer sentiment and seller sentiment. Uh, unlike other industries where all you need to understand is demand. Um, on the demand side here in the art market, I think the macro risks finally caught up for buyers, most importantly, interest rates, but also the kind of the impact of wars on one psychology and a desire to stay more liquid. Um, on the supply side, um, sellers knew what buyers were thinking. And so oftentimes, if they had discretion to sell or not, they chose not to sell. Um, it's interesting to note that where the market was particularly soft was in the segment uh, of, pro of objects over $10 million, which was down 30% versus uh, 22. Um, that's the segment that is historically most, most volatile, and that's the segment where leverage among buyers is greatest. That makes sense. And um, I, I like what you how you think about it, that the sellers are thinking about what the buyers are thinking about, and that adds a, a dimension to that market. Um, very helpful. For our second data point, we're looking here at the price indices for categories over the last 25 years. So you've got these categories with a long-term, more stable, they're smaller, but they're established old masters, something like that. Now, we know post-war and contemporary are quite volatile, do those become less volatile in your opinion or you know what is going on between these these categories well i think the answer lies in understanding the players in each category um for the um the older categories like old masters um the buyers tend to be older more conservative less transactional less leveraged it's a very different buyer than than those who are participating in the contemporary markets today um, the contemporary and post-war category today is just inherently more volatile. Um, the collectors are younger. They're more speculative, more leveraged, uh, more sensitive to the macroeconomics that we just discussed. Um, 21 and 22, where we saw the big bump in volume, um, I would say the contemporary market was somewhat gripped by speculative uh, fever, uh, maybe irrational exuberance where uh, collectors expected um, their their purchases to appreciate immediately. Uh, in 2023, um, with higher interest rates, as I mentioned earlier, there's less speculation going on, but also much greater selectivity and, and price sensitivity among contemporary collectors in 2023. So that that normalization or that uh, you know sort of settling down and and understanding each other's viewpoint again of buyers and sellers and why they're investing or or collecting that that makes a ton of sense and it sort of echoes something you talked about earlier um for our last uh, and third data point we're now looking at a chart of the tie between art market volumes and equity market behavior for 40 years and I, and I should say to everybody as usual shoot us an email uh you know get in touch with the Stiefel think tank group we'll send the charts and the the other work we've done in the space um in this tie, it's pretty clear that there's a relationship and that it's gotten stronger and stronger over the last decade. Mike, in your view, how much of the art market is just, you know, you talked a little bit about it in the last question, but total risk-taking zeitgeist, but how much is that 
bottoms up decision made by category. So how do you think about that, the the financial market risk taking and the art market and how they echo or, or influence each other? Yeah, well, interestingly, you are absolutely right that the size of the market in your chart as measured by unit volume definitely correlates with um, the strength in the equity markets. And you can see quite clearly that the last four peaks in S&P growth are followed about six months later by peaks in art market vo uh, volume. And the same is true of troughs. Uh, when the S&P starts to trough about six months later, the art market troughs too. This is not the case, by the way, on pricing or returns as an investor in, in art. One of the strengths of this category is it's very uncorrelated to equity markets over, over an appropriately long period of time of looking at it. But there's no question that activity is driven uh, by a correlation to the equity markets. Um, and as I've mentioned in a couple of places today already, it's also um, heavily correlated to interest rates and becoming more so. So to the extent that low interest rates drive both equity markets, it also drives uh, a larger art market. And the converse is true as well. When, um, when interest rates start to spike, you are going to see a lot of buyers uh, who leverage their collections more on the sideline uh, and lead to a smaller market. Makes total sense. It reminds me a bit of watching the wine, the watches, the jewelry, and the car auctions as well. Those are all driven together. Absolutely. Mike, They're all showing the same thing. Exactly. Mike, this has been so much fun to go through with you. Um, I look forward to watching some of these auctions and auction trends and, and maybe some tennis together in, in 2024. Thank you so much for joining. Great. Thank you.